Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. 400 years can be a long time. 400, 400 years is a long time. Especially if you are a slave. 400 years is a long time if you don't have your freedom. 400 years is a long time if you have no no joy. As far as that goes, four years is a long time when you don't have your freedom. Um, Four months is a long time when you don't have your freedom. Um, I could even bring a little closer. Uh, Four hours is a long time for your mind and your spirit to be all bound up. But 400 years or 40 years or four years or four months or even shorter is a long time when your mind and your heart is not free. The children of Israel, though they did not realize it, that the end, the end of that 400-year time of exile and of slavery was coming to an end. They could not see it in the moment that they were living. They could not understand it when they were dealing with the circumstances of their daily life. But the time of their exile, the time of their the time of their separation was coming coming rapidly to an end. And, and even though they looked at their daily circumstance uh, they really, they really had no idea just how much God was working on their behalf. There is no doubt in my mind that more than one time questions were asked. Um, more, more than one day, most people, most of the families would ask and question, how did we wind up in this situation? Um, how, how did we get in this place? Are, are we not more skilled than they? Are we not more talented than they? Than they? And they probably looked around at the great pyramids and things that they were building at that time. And they looked and probably said things like, they could never have done this without us. They, they probably realized and they would, would, would even ask the question, how did we lose all of that freedom? And how did we lose all of that peace of mind? And at what point did we no longer have our freedom, but we become slaves or enslaved to the process of the Egyptians? There is no doubt in my mind. Some of them said they used us. And there were many that could testify to the fact that the Egyptians had abused them. They probably day by day would wake up and go about their task and their responsibilities. Understanding that at some point in the past uh, there was a breakover point from where they had had complete liberties and complete freedoms and at some point, not even understanding exactly what moment that it went. 
the freedom and joy of living in a, the best part, the best part of Egypt. Somewhere it lost its joy and it lost its excitement. You say, how could they have had the best part of Egypt when they were slaves? But that's the way things work sometimes. Because they lived, when they arrived, they had been given the most fruitful, the most bountiful area of that country to live in. You may say in the Houston area, they, they'd been given the woodlands to live in. And, and, and you think, well, maybe they could have given them the south side or the east side, which might have been more befitting to their social economic place of life. But no, no, when they arrived, They had been given the best lands. They had been given the best quality of life, the best places to live. But somewhere, somewhere that freedom, somewhere there was a a breakover point and they no longer, they no longer had the freedom and joy of life, but they had the feelings of being used and the sense of being abused and the surety of something's just not right in our lives. Just never forget, they should never have forgotten, but it's, it's like what happens with you and me. When we find ourselves in a season of life when we're a bit disconnected or we we're, we're feel a bit alienated for some reason, and we start asking questions, God, why haven't you answered my prayers? And God, how did I ever wind up in this circumstance? And Lord, uh, I'm not certain when it happened, but someplace uh, my joy for living seemed to have slipped uh, from my grasp. And, and Lord, uh, Lord, how could I be used and misused and abused uh, in the ways that my life has, has taken? How, how did this happen? But never forget when those children of Israel, when they arrived in Egypt, God had put them in that city, in that country of Egypt. And that 400 years almost uh, that they had been there, they, they should never have forgotten that God brought us and put us in this place. And they, they should have been able to look over their shoulder and realize uh, that God had kept them in that place. Uh, God had kept them when they lost their freedom and God had kept them when they lost joy and God had kept them when they their sons were killed and God had kept them through every season that had happened to them while they had lived there and had they just paused to remember that God had placed them there in Egypt and God had kept them during that time in Egypt and had they had they had the ability or the, or had it been the resolve in their spirits to remember those two things, that God had put them there and God had kept them there, then it would have been easier for them to grab a hold of faith and realize that God was going to bring them out of that place. But they'd got lost in life and they'd forgot what brought them there and they'd forgot what had kept them there. And so because they'd got lost and didn't know why they were there, or how they had maintained their time, they had no faith to look forward to realize I'm not staying in this place. I am not living the rest of my life. Somebody should have drug out the old Burgundy songbook 
the, uh, somebody should have got the piano player to strike G on the piano. And somebody should have, should have started singing this world or, or this country is not my home. I'm, I'm just the passing through for my, my treasures are laid up uh, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere on the other side of the Red Sea and somewhere on the other side of a river and somewhere on the other side of a desert is where my, my treasures are laid up, but somehow in life, somehow in living, just like happens with me and you. We forget how we got where we're at and we forget who has kept us uh, where we're at and, and, and so involved in that pressures and problems and the chaos and circumstances of life uh, that you and I forget that God is going to bring us out uh, of that place just like he brought us in to that place. Uh, you see, uh, there's moments that they felt more oppressed by the passing of the days. And there's moments that you and I, we deal with the emotions of life. We deal with our pressures. We deal, we deal with knot-headed kids. We deal with uh, grown children that are driving us crazy. We deal with weeks that are longer than our paychecks. We, we deal with health that seems to want to evade us. Uh, we deal with behavior issues that, that really, really ought to just not have to be dealt with in our family. And we get involved in our circumstance and we get involved in our pressures. And we forget that it was God that's brought us to this point. Uh, and it's God who has kept us. Uh, if you'll just pause for a moment and look back over your shoulder and remember where he brought you from. And, and, and remember the, play, the situations in life uh, that you dealt with before he brought you to this place with him, uh, then you could realize that, uh, that, that he brought us from this place to here. Now, I, I, I can understand if he brought us out of that into this, then he's able to maintain us uh, through this season of life and through this pressure. And so when I understand, I never forget that it's God that kept me and God that, that brought me. I, I'm reminded of the song that we hear sometimes on a Sunday night. I almost gave up. Uh, and it, it goes on to talk about uh, uh, didn't things were clouding my mind. I was confused. Uh, and and he, it, it goes on and talks and finally arrives. It says, Satan thought he had me until Jesus came and grabbed me. And, and I, I get a word picture of that line on a morning like this because uh, sometimes uh, you get to the place uh, where you forget where you've come from. You forget what you kept you. You have no clue where you're going. And you're going through that moment of life that you're about to give up. Uh, you're about to be overwhelmed with life and with the pressures. Uh, and because, uh, because uh, you, you, you've forgotten what it used to be on the other side. And, and you've forgotten what's kept you through this season. And so, so when that song starts being sung, something starts happening inside of, 
of my spirit today because uh, when the devil thought he had you, when the devil thought he, he could intimidate you and force you into the corner, when the devil thought he could make, cause you to quit showing up at church and coming into the presence of God, when the devil thought he could make you to make some decisions that, that, were, that were not good, when, when he thought that was going on, but you managed to drag yourself into the presence of God on a Sunday or a Wednesday and and you just manage to get there and you begin to feel the presence of God and talk to him. And, and before long, uh, that oppressed thought of despair and, and quitting and giving up uh, that you were dealing with uh, was overshadowed by the light of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and you felt faith rise up your spirit, in your spirit. Uh, and while you felt uh, the slimy hands of a demon from hell trying to drag you down, uh, suddenly you felt the hand of a living God reach over the balconies of glory across the eons of time, across miles and distance through darkness and through confusion and through miry clay and through heartache and through depressions that you suddenly felt a, a hand grab you by the nap of your little neck and while you thought you were going down for the last time, you felt the hand of light and of brightness and of glory reach down and pull you up and bring you to a place where then you sing Satan thought he had me but Jesus came and, and he, he, he got a hold of me he, he grabbed me at that point I, I don't ever want to forget uh, where he brought me from I don't ever want to forget uh, how he's kept me here but also I don't ever I don't ever want to forget uh, where he He's taking me to. Uh, I'm going to a better place. Uh, this world is not what it's all about, uh, but there is a better place. Uh, there is a place called heaven. Uh, there is that eternal reward. Uh, there is that utopian that he has provided for you and I. Amen. Amen. It's, it's in this place of living. It's in this place that you find yourself uh, you find yourself in those moments of having forgotten what he was doing for you and with you that we could, we could insert our own lives into Acts chapter 7 and verse 17 that says this, but when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and they multiplied in Egypt. Notice the time of the promise drew nigh. The closer the time for the answer got, some things begin to happen. The closer they were to that promise that God had made Abraham about making him the father of a nation, his children would be like the stars of the sky and the, and the sand of the sea, and, and they would just be in uh, just just an uncountable host. It was it was when the time of the promise drew nigh which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and they multiplied in Egypt. 
I might pause again to suggest it is in it is in those moments that you think you might be forsaken. It's in it's in that season of time when you don't even realize how close the answer is. That when they write about your life, they're going to look back and say, when the promise was almost there, the closer it got, the people began to multiply. There was blessings and there was growth that began to happen in the lives of the people. But it was in that season that the promise wasn't there. Might I just simply suggest this Sunday morning, some of us want the answer to come so we can live in faith and victory without the pressures of life. But if you really want to live in faith and victory, if you look, it's during that times of pressures of life that you hang on, that you stay faithful, that you keep showing up, that you keep praying up, that you keep living up, that this thing starts happening in your life, that when the promise is almost there, it's when grow, they grew and they multiplied in Egypt. And at this point, uh, when they were growing and they were multiplying and, and this growth was coming to them, uh, I, it was to them it was numeric growth, but in your life, uh, I would suggest it might not be numbers that you're growing. Uh, you can be like us and our kids. It's just multiplied just kind of like rabbits the last few years. You can be, you can be like a chopper that they just keep just, 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 just having children. Just, 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 it may be that kind of growth, but, but better than that, it, it, it might be some growth on the inside where you grow past your last failure, where, where you, you grow past your last hang-up, where, where you find them mature enough to go beyond some of your immaturities and some of your shortcomings and some of your failures, and, and you quit doing the same dumb stuff that you did for a long time. But it's when that time, when the promise drew nigh, that growth was taking place and multiplication was taking place in the people. But it was also during that time that another king arose, and he knew not Joseph, another king who couldn't remember the great Joseph who had been the interpreter of dreams, the great Joseph who had been the savior of a country, the great Joseph who had saved a regime. This king couldn't remember all of that. And so when he chose to not study and understand and know, he began to deal subtly with the kindred. And evil entreated our fathers so that they would cast out their young to the end that they might not live. It was, it was this, uh, this absolute thing that this king, he would begin to deal subtly or with, with deception and with destruction that he would endeavor to destroy the next generation of young Israelites and these people they didn't realize how close that their answers were and they didn't realize how close they were to having the promises fulfilled but as the time grew close and the closer they got to the answer that was on the way it seemed like they would lose a bit more freedom it seemed like another spirit or another king would rise up that wouldn't allow them to, that wouldn't remember what brought them there and and then and then there would be a king that would be so bothered and so intimidated by what he could see in the lives of the children of Israel that he feared them and decided I've got to destroy this people or they're going to rise up and they're going to work against us if you've been fighting hell let me simply suggest if the devil's been in your head if he's been coming against your family if he's been coming against your home 
home. I would not get depressed about that. I would not be sad about that, but rather I would understand and realize and I would rejoice if he knows where you're at, if he's aware of what's going on in your world, then you better rejoice because if he, if he, if he's worried enough to try to drag your family down, if he's worried enough to keep the will of God from being done in your family, if he's worried enough to want to bring hell against your life and against your family, you have gotten in his head. This church ought to be a church that can rejoice. And when you can shout and jump, you realize, you realize what you're doing is you're getting in his head and you're, and you're tormenting him. It's just like you find where Adam and Eve, where they, where they were, you know, they were, uh, where it says that her foot would bruise the head of the devil. You ought to get happy in your life when you realize that hell has brought a temptation. Hell has tried to destroy. Hell has tried to drag you down. But when you realize you can overcome that and your foot can be on the head of that serpent, of that temptation, of that force from hell, it ought to make you rejoice. It ought to put something in your spirit. Devil, you come at me with everything, but you better watch it. When I show up at the house of God, I'm going to put a shout on you. When I get to the house of God, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a worship on you. I'm going to mess up your day and I'm going to mess up your plan because you may hurt my feet and you may cause me some distraction, but the whole time I'm shouting and I'm worshiping on top of your head. Amen. It is, it is with this scenario in life that, that I find interest this morning. Because the Egyptian king feared and said these words, they will rise up and they will join our enemies. The last thing the devil wants you to do is have all your freedom is because he don't want you to lock arms with the hand of the almighty God. He he knows he can't have any success with the Lord and with the host of heaven. But the last thing he wants is a praying saint of God to get on fire too. Because the problem now is is, is he's going to have to wait a long time to go to hell and do his thing down there when when that place is prepared for him. But what really adds to his anger is when there's a saint of God who decides I'm going to love God and I'm going to live for God and I'm going to overcome and that brings him a little faster to the torment that's that is part of his future and he doesn't want you locking arms with the master and he doesn't want you in tune with the king of kings and he wants to keep you from your joy and keep you from your, your faith and so he'll bring oppression he'll bring depression he'll bring these things down but understand something when your faith is strong and you hang in there, even during that season of assault from hell, multiplication takes place. When, 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 when you keep hanging in there and you keep being faithful to the things of God, there is growth that happens in you. And what happens now, you're going to come through that thing. And when you come out of it, you're going to look over your shoulder and say, hey, I didn't fail that time. I didn't mess up that time. I grew past that. I over overcame that. I'm a conqueror in Christ and now I'm doing better. And so hell, hell dreads the fact that you might become an overcomer just like the Egyptians dreaded the fact 
that the children of Israel would join their enemies. And so the king devised a plan. I wish we had time to read the whole passage today, but, but when I realized that this king devised a plan against the children of God, it makes me realize that, that we're not ignorant of the devices of our enemy. He keeps using the same tricks and the same tactics, and, and he devises a plan. He, he devises a plan where your family is concerned. He devises a plan that the devil does where your church is concerned, and, and he'll devise a plan and he'll use that plan over and over and over again. Somebody ought to get mad at the devil and say, devil, you've done this one too many times. This is the last time you're messing with my head. This is the last time you're messing with my family. This is the last time you're messing with my church. This is the last time you're messing with my man of God. This is the law that ain't gonna happen no more. So we devised the plan and the Egyptians, uh, the Egyptians, the Bible says they became ruthless uh, and they had, there was this ruthlessness uh, that came in the spirits uh, of that community and the, the lives of the children of Israel was made bitter because of their actions. Uh, understand something? When you feel the harshness of hell, don't you dare let bitterness rise up in your spirit. Uh, don't you let that resentment against all of that rise up. Uh, you remember that your help comes from the Lord and the hell may deal harshly and hell may try to destroy, but you refuse that bitterness when your lives are made bitter. And so these part of this devised plan was it brought upon them harsh harsh labor the message translation said it this way that their lives had become harsh and severe you you got to realize that they were still children of god they were still children of israel they still had promise in their life they still had anointing in their life they weren't backslid they weren't hell bound they weren't going the other direction they were doing everything right but for some reason hell had brought enough attack on their life that their lives had become harsh and severe i would stand up this morning and say you may come at me with harsh you may come at us with severity, but we like David will say this, you'll come at us with a sword and a spear, but we'll come at you with the name of the Lord. We will exalt the name of the Lord. That name was a strong tower, that name that I can run to and I can get to that tower. I can get to that name and I can find a refuge and I can find a safety and I can find that place of help and I can find in that place. And so amidst this devised plan of the enemy, the midwives were solicited by Pharaoh saying, when the baby, when the baby boys are born, you kill the boys. You let the girls live, but you kill the boys. When the enemy of your life is saying, I, I, that's okay if that lives, but I'm not going to let this live. When he starts picking and choosing who's going to live in your family, when he starts picking and choosing who's going who's to survive in your church, something ought to rise up in you. There ought to be something. Somebody this morning needs to get mad at hell. And not mad as hell, but mad at hell. And I want you to get mad at hell today and mad at the devil and make your mind up 
up. It's time that you don't accept that he's going to pick and choose in your life. Who's going to come out of this victorious? He has no say-so in who's going to come out victorious. He has no say-so who's going to be destroyed. He has no say-so who's going to be devoured. Somebody needs to get up on their feet today and say, I, I refuse the devouring spirit of darkness. Amen, amen, amen. So the midwives had been solicited to help, but it didn't do any good because, uh, because when the midwives went to deliver the babies, they get there and something rose up in their spirit and they, they couldn't destroy that innocence of life. And so they went back and said, Pharaoh, you got to understand something. That's a bunch of lively women out there. By the time we get there to deliver those babies, they've already delivered a baby. I mean, they're done. By the time we get there, they already got that baby swaddled up. He's diapered up. He's in the baby buggy. He's headed out of the hospital. By the time that we arrive there, because something in their heart would not let that happen. And when I was studying this, when I, and I was reading this story again I never paused to just pay attention to whom these two midwives were uh, one's name was Shifra S-H-I-P-H-R-A-H the other's name was Pua P-U-A-H and when Shifra and Pua the midwives who had been solicited by hell had come back to the devil or to the Pharaoh to bring the report back. It angered him. But you've got to realize in the midst of whatever circumstance and the midst of the onslaught from hell, when he devises a plan, the devil may send somebody in there to destroy your future. He may send something in there to take away your hope for your posterity. But he just might wind up sending somebody. He doesn't realize who he's sending. If he sends a shifra and a puet to your life, it may look like they've come with ill intent but their names by definition are splendid and brightness in the darkness of your situation hell employs a couple of a couple of midwives to bring destruction and heartache into your life but when you realize the devil meant it for bad but God meant it for good and when you realize he didn't the devil didn't send darkness but in its place his intent was darkness his intent intent was death. His intent was destruction. But when it got to my place, it was brightness and it was splendidness. You got to realize it looks bad sometimes, but understand God is sending brightness your direction. He's sending splendid your direction. And there's something incredible going to happen. Is it any wonder that when these women would have their babies, it look, from the outward view, it looks like angels of death are arriving to where those babies are. But when those two ladies arrived to deliver those babies, is it any wonder that those women got lively? Is it any wonder something happened in the atmosphere because suddenly brightness came into that room and splendor came into that room? If you want, if you can just pause and say, God, I want a little bit of that in my life? Would you send the brightness? Would you allow the splendor in my life? Let this happen in my world as you did there, Jesus. It's in this darkest oppression that splendid and brightness showed up. It's at this time, it's at this time that 
this message now goes out, you kill the baby boys. It was in this mess time that when they couldn't stop the birth, couldn't stop the multiplication, and couldn't stop the growth. It was, it was this season Moses was born. And while other boys were being thrown into the river, and the purpose to be thrown into the river was to have thrown them into the river and they would be destructed and be killed and eaten by crocodiles and that was a form of worship in their day they would offer they would offer their children up to the river and the crocodiles would come and of course the blood isn't any wonder when the plagues came God says that you have bloodied the water with some of my most precious what I'm fixing to do is I'm fixing to take control of your water supply and that first plague that comes in a few days ago was the blood of my children but now I'm going to allow the blood I'm going to allow the blood that comes from heaven to flow it's going to make you sick because you can't handle it but I'm going to allow blood blood to flow down your river. It was in this moment that Moses was born and boys were being thrown in the river for crocodiles and Moses' mom hid that boy right there in the river, right there in the edge of the river, right in the edge of the chaos, right there close to where the crocodiles and the devastation and destruction was existing and going on. Moses' mama said, I can hide my boy. It's kind of like in another place that he'll hide me in the cleft of his pavilion. He'll hide me in the rock. He'll take me to a secret place and he'll protect you and that's what had happened with Moses and hidden among the the, the crocodiles and the rushing of water and the blood stains of water rushing by hidden amid all of that was a little baby wrapped up in a little blanket stuck in a basket right there among the devouring spirits there was a boy that God carried through and let me simply say devouring spirits may try to come at you but you rest in peace. You rest in confidence. Splendor and brightness help deliver you. And God brought you to that place. He'll keep you into that place and you're not staying in that place. And there is a way out and you can be protected in the midst of the devourer, in the midst of the crocodile spirits. There is protection for you and there is protection for your family. We can spend a lot of time, but I I rush now to a close. Time would pass, burning bushes would burn and Moses would return and and the children of Israel would would find themselves to a place where where that they would be trying to make bricks with no straw and, and they were dealing with situations in life where where the spirit of opposition had so tried to uh, tried to take things away from them to where they would, couldn't be as fruitful and as bountiful as as, as they as they had been in, in the past and Moses arrives in on the scene as man goes to his, his grandfather's house his step grandfather's house and says let my people go now we stop a lot of time and we talk about let my people go But what he was saying was, he says, let my people go out into the wilderness uh, so we can worship. In other words, we want to, we want to withdraw ourselves from this ugly atmosphere here. And we just want to go for a distance uh, so we can worship. Uh, You see what began to happen there. And the reason the real tug of war began to happen is because Moses was saying,
man. We just want to go out and worship and, 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 and hell and, and Pharaoh and the darkness and the devised plan and all of that didn't want the children of Israel to get out uh, where they could worship because if they got out where they could worship, they'd understand that they couldn't maintain control anymore. And I was just a Sunday morning. Let me, let me simply suggest uh, that there ought to be something happen. Then you realize uh, he wants to, the, the enemy wants to keep you from moving out into a place of worship. He wants to keep you from having your joy. He wants to keep you from being able to clap your hands and respond. He don't want any Sunday night blowouts. He doesn't want any Wednesday night moves of God. Oh, you can go to church, but, but, but no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want you to move into a place where there's a move of the Holy Ghost. He wants to stop that. But something rises up in my spirit on a Sunday morning saying, you know what? I want a move of God so bad. We'll move out of this place. We'll go through what we got to go through. You want to keep me out of the presence of God? Then I, then I will do whatever it takes to get myself into the presence of Almighty God. And this morning, I come, I come with a challenge. Somebody needs to make up in their mind. Hell can't keep me from my worship. And hell cannot keep me from my praise. Hell can't keep me from clapping my hands. And hell can't keep me from showing up on a Sunday night lifted up my voice and hell can't keep me from walking in the Holy Ghost and hell's not going to keep me from enjoying my walk with God and, and hell is not going to do those things I refuse those things and I'm coming out Understand this Sunday morning that hell wants to steal your joy, but you're coming out of that. And hell wants to steal your faith, but you're not letting that happen. He wants to keep you from coming into the presence of God. But as for me and my house, it's time to worship. It's time to shout. It's time to be excited. It's time to look up. It's time to realize I'm not staying here. Hell, hell will come against you, but I'm not staying in this place. Which brings me back to that place where, and you're, when you're there, you forget who brought you there. And you forget who kept you there. And when you can't remember who got you there, and you can't remember who kept you there, you kind of lose sight of who's going to get you out of there. Am I right? So you start looking around for an answer. There is no new answer. There is no new answer. You want to get out of there, you just keep praying and you keep fasting and you keep seeking the will of the Lord and you keep following after the Holy Ghost and, and you keep lifting up your voice and, and, and you keep making sure that you're going to make a joyful noise when you come into the presence of God. And when you walk into his presence, like we mentioned on Wednesday night, you kick those doors open and you walk in here with a hoop. You walk through those doors with a shout. You walk into the presence of God with a noisy response to his goodness goodness in your life because we know who brought us out we know who has kept us out and then we know who's going to bring us out and when we realize it's the same thing that's going to get us out that got us out and kept us out something can happen in our spirit and it puts something in my heart in life of determination to live for God and to be a worshiper would you stand with me this morning